Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. We ask that as we do that, as we dive into your word, that you would find us receptive and responsive. We pray in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. We're approaching Thanksgiving time, of course, and uh, the year 2020 is a year that has been challenging on the Thanksgiving front, I think. Um, it might, we, we might not think that those phrases that the year 2020 and this Thanksgiving week kind of go to hand, and hand in hand very well. It might be a little bit hard to be thankful this particular Thanksgiving, the year of COVID. We've gone back to our online uh, streaming worship and uh, we miss seeing folks on Sunday morning. But again, we want to keep people safe. And it's just another reminder that 2020 has been perhaps like unlike any other year in recent memory a time when we need to grab a hold of a biblical perspective to be a people of thanksgiving. So I think the Bible can, and I, I know it can, and I think it will help us understand how to take hold of thanksgiving in 2020, because whatever the circumstances are that we find ourselves in, believers in Jesus are supposed to be in this pathway, this progress, this constant maturing in our capacity to give thanksgiving to God. So I'm going to start first this morning in Psalm 100. Um, if you are following along on the website, the translation is to the right of the picture. If you are at home, of course, you have access to your own Bible in whatever format you happen to happen, have, happen to have that in. So Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amy Grant, one of the first Christian singers to whom I was exposed when I was first diving into this Christianity business. Um, and she was 18, I think, when she started singing. And one of her first albums, she had this song on it called Fat Baby. And so I think it's important for us this morning to kind of grab a hold of this, the lyrics of this song. And here, here they go. Fat Baby. I know a man, maybe you know him too. You never can tell he might even be you. He knelt at the altar and that was the end. He saved and that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week, he gets a spiritual lunch. On Sunday, he puts on his spiritual best, and he gives his language a spiritual rest. He wants his bottle, and he don't mean maybe. He sampled solid foods once or twice, but he says doctrine leaves him cold as ice. He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions are stuck in the mud. He knows the books of the Bible in John 3.16, and he's got the biggest King James Bible you've ever seen. I've always wondered if he'll grow up someday. He's mama boy, mama's boy, and he likes it that way. If you happen to see him, tell him I said he'll never grow if he never gets fed. What's Amy trying to say? She's trying to help us think about this idea of maturing, and specifically this morning and specifically this week, we're thinking about maturing in Thanksgiving. And the first thing about maturing in thanksgiving is that we have to learn some vocabulary. Verse 4 in Psalm 100. The Psalms are instructive here. They talk about our worship, our attitude, our life. They give us wisdom. But here in Psalm 100, verse 4, the psalmist says, Enter his gates with thanks." 
thanksgiving and give thanks. And in the original language of the Bible, these words are, uh, these phrases are imperatives. That is, they are commands. They're not suggestions. They're not nice things to do. They're not accessories. They are obligations on the part of the believer to give thanks. We have to learn how to say thanks, right? When we have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and all those multiple generations of little little creatures, we teach them how to say thank you, right? We encourage them, and we know that kids have to be taught how to say thanks. The key to learning any language is vocabulary. I can remember when I was stationed in Germany, I was amazed, truly amazed, at all the little kids who could speak German so well. Me, I learned what I called survival German, and by survival German, I mean I learned just enough to ask questions but not enough to really understand the answers when they gave me the answers to the questions. A really important question in German, wo sind die Toiletten? Which means, hey, where's the bathroom? Well, when moms and dads are training up kids, you know, when kids get a gift, their first thing that mom or dad says is, what do you say? Because the first step in Thanksgiving is learning the vocabulary. And then maturing in thanksgiving means learning some basic categories for giving thanks. In verse 5, it means learning here that the Lord is good. James chapter 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All good things come from God. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not quite so obvious. And we have to look really hard for God's fingerprints on our experience or the thing that's coming to us in our lives. But God's fingerprints are there on every good thing. Good things, good people, good experiences. All those things, when we observe them and perceive them, should move us automatically. Remember what Mama said? Say thanks. They should move us automatically to a posture, a position an expression of thanksgiving. Learning vocabulary also means learning that God is persistent in his love, verse 5. His love endures forever, and his faithfulness continues through all generations. This is what is called in the Hebrew Bible, this is called parallelism, where the idea is repeated and underscored and enhanced in two different phrases. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So if we were all here together on a Sunday morning, I would ask you right now to to, to name something good that God has put in your life. Since we're not all here together, except for our crew of the worship putter honors today, I sent out a text yesterday asking people to give some stuff that they were thankful for. So here's the list that came through. Sandy said that uh, she was thankful that her mom has come out on the other side of COVID. Her mom was saved from COVID. Sandy said she told her mom, the Lord is not ready for you yet. Uh, Somebody who didn't want their name mentioned was grateful this morning, uh, yesterday, that their family was safe and healthy. Uh, Dean mentioned his health and the opportunity to share God's love during this time. Leslie sent a very sweet note of thanksgiving uh, to Pastor Laura and myself. Libby mentioned being thankful for God, for her life, for family, for friends, for her job, and for her health. Bev mentioned that the kids are okay, but they're sending some really long text messages. Becky was thankful for the gift of faith and that no matter what, God sees her through. Ralph mentioned being thankful for his bride, Clara. And Steve, 
of course, Steve. Steve said he was thankful for unconditional relationships with family, friends, and, and beyond that, he said that uh, he had to, went to Iceland and he had with, with 10 friends and they had to be thankful for 10 things each day, which is a bit more of a challenge than naming one thing. He said that <clears throat> Nina said he was a good boy, which personally I doubt. But Nina said he was a good boy, so he won't have to eat a kale salad today. And then later on, he let us know that he was thankful for chocolate, to which my bride will say, Amen. Amen. All right. So we can, if we're, if we're put on the spot, if somebody specifically and explicitly asks us to name something we're thankful for, we can usually do it. But that's not the same as having this constancy, this, this sense of the goodness and graciousness of God, even when things aren't going very well. Going very well. And so maturing in Thanksgiving means learning some vocabulary, but maturing in Thanksgiving also means giving thanks, here's the preposition, in all things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances. It's a rare Christian who gets there. I can remember um, uh, Laurel and Hardy back in the day, Stan and Ollie, and they would regularly say to each other, This is another fine mess you've gotten me into. And the truth is, as Christians, we find ourselves in fine messes all the time. We jump out of one into another. And we sometimes think that our messes have some kind of expiration date on them. But we're learning in 2020 that the mess may not have the kind of expiration date that we really, we really want it to have. I shared from this book last week, The Hiding Place, written by Corey Tenboom. I want to show you another vignette from that, that book that she wrote. And again, I really encourage you especially during 2020. Find this book, this old book, The Hiding Place. Read it. Hold on to it. So here it is. Here's the vignette. Corey and Betsy Tenboom were courageous, compassionate Dutch Christians who helped harbor Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. After the sisters were arrested for doing so, they were imprisoned at Ravensbrück, a German concentration camp. In their barracks, they were shown to a series of massive square platforms stacked three levels high and placed so close together that people had to walk single file to pass between them. Rancid straw was scattered over the platforms, which served as communal beds for hundreds of women. Corey and Betsy found they could not sit upright on their own platform without hitting their heads on the deck above them. They lay back, struggling against nausea that swept over them from the reeking straw. Suddenly, Corey started up, striking her head on the cross slats above. Something had bitten her leg. Fleas, she cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Descending from the platform and edging down a narrow aisle, they made their way to a patch of light. Here, and another one, Corey wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how, Betsy said matter-of-factly. It took Corey a moment to realize that her sister was praying. Corey, Betsy then exclaimed excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. Corey checked to make sure no guards were nearby, then drew from a pouch a small Bible she had managed to smuggle into the concentration camp. It was in First Thessalonians, she said, finding the passage in the feeble light. Here it is. 
Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Betsy interrupted. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this barracks. Corey stared at her sister incredulously, then around at the dark, foul-smelling room, such as, she inquired, such as being assigned here together. Corey bit her lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding your hands, holding in your hands. Corey looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, Betsy agreed. Thank you for the very crowding here. Since we're packed in so close, that many more will hear. She looked at her sister expectantly and prodded, Corey, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy continued on serenely, for the fleas and for, and that was too much for Corey. She cut in on her sister, Betsy, There's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy corrected. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. So they stood back between the stacks of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. Though on that occasion, Corey thought Betsy was surely wrong. As the weeks passed, Betsy's health weakened to the point that rather than needing to go out on work duty each day, she was permitted to remain in the barracks and knit socks together with other seriously ill prisoners. She was a lightning-fast knitter and usually had her daily sock quota completed by noon. As a result, she had hours each day she could spend moving from platform to platform, reading the Bible to fellow prisoners. She was able to do this undetected as the guards never seemed to venture far into the barracks. One evening when Corey arrived back at the barracks, Betsy's eyes were twinkling. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, Corey told her. You know, we've never understood why we've had so much freedom in the big room, Betsy said, referring to the part of the barracks where the sleeping platforms were. Well, I've found out. This afternoon there was confusion in my knitting group about sock sizes, so we asked the supervisor to come and settle it, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door. And neither would the guards. And you know why? Betsy couldn't keep the triumph from her voice as she exclaimed, Because of the fleas. That's what she said. The supervisor said that place is crawling with fleas. Giving thanks in all circumstances. And lastly, and this is the hard one. Lastly, at least for today, Maturing in thanksgiving means giving thanks, here's the preposition, for all things. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, always giving thanks for everything. Now, I was a bit skeptical when I encountered this passage the first time a while back in my Christian days, and so I had to look really carefully, and I examined the language really carefully, and the preposition in the original language of the Bible is translated for, F-O-R, almost every time it's used in the New Testament, this particular preposition. Every English Bible I have access to, and that's quite a few, 
translates this as giving thanks for everything. This is supposed to be the way of life for believers. Now, if it's rare that we give thanks in all things, it's rarer still the Christian who gets here with the capacity to give thanks for all things. It's not easy. I'm not pretending this morning that it is easy, but it seems to be an essential aspect of kind of an eternal perspective on the things that we go through in life. The Apostle Paul talked about this a little bit in in the passage that uh, Pastor Laura read for us. He called the things that he went through, and go back and look at his life. This guy was run out of town on a rail. He was lowered over a wall in a basket to escape people who wanted to kill him. He was shipwrecked. He was stung by a poisonous snake. He was put in prison. He was eventually beheaded by the Roman authorities. He called the things that he went went through, including being rejected and despised by many of his own people, he called those things in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he called them light and momentary afflictions. So this is linked to our Psalm 100 message where, 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 where God says to the psalmist that we're supposed to give thanks forever through all generations. Again, Paul knew what he was talking about. Here's what he said, his words. I've been in prison, flogged, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, bandits, hunger, thirst, cold, naked. Okay, other than that, Paul, how was your day? Now, we all have our own versions of this, although, frankly, I think most of us are more blessed than we really give God credit for most of the time. But 2020 has brought this idea of having to give thanks for everything into really, really vivid relief. And I don't pretend that I have arrived there. I'm just sharing this morning what the scriptures have to say to us about it. I know that I'm personally not there. But I know that it's the place we're supposed to go. It's the place to which we're supposed to arrive. Five years ago, I went to uh, my physician for some tests because I was having trouble with pain in my hip from driving back and forth from Topeka, Kansas to Overland Park, Kansas. And I went uh, for some tests and one of the tests they sent me to do was a CT scan. And uh, so I did the CT scan, and then I was down in Fort Scott, Kansas, because I was serving as an interim pastor there in Fort Scott. And I got a a call from my my healthcare provider, and she said, I need you to come see me. Now, if it's good news, they never say, hey, come see me. That's only what they reserve for when it's not good news. And so I went to see her, and she shared with me the results of the CT scan, and based on the reading of the CT scan, the physician, the radiologist who looked at it, thought that I probably had multiple, multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. So we went through this round of test after test after test after test. I cannot describe to you how many tests we had over and over and over again. And I consulted with a physician friend I had back in New England and a nurse practitioner friend I had back in New England. And they all said, well, from the CT scan, what they're saying about the CT scan, it looks like there's probably a problem here. And so I did what I don't often do. I'm not the most effervescent, open, sharing my life with people kind of guy. You may have picked up on that by now. But I went to my computer, and I sent an email to absolutely everybody I knew who had been a friend, a close co-worker, my Christian friends, 
And I said, this is what we know right now. I would appreciate you praying for us, praying for me. And over the course of the next weeks or so, while I was still doing all these crazy tests, I could feel it tangibly. Pastor Laura and I talked about this multiple times. It wasn't just that we knew people were praying for us. It was that I could feel it in my spirit. And praise God, it turned out that uh, the the radiologist didn't quite read the CT scan properly. And after all the other tests were done, they said, you know what? You don't have this thing. Praise God. And I certainly praise God for the answer to that prayer. But let me tell you, at a more basic level, I was praising God and thanking Him for the prayers themselves as I felt them make my heart go pitter-patter along the way. So I don't pretend this morning to have arrived at the place where I'm necessarily going to fall to my knees and say, thank you, God, that I may have been diagnosed with cancer. But I do know from the Word that's the place to which we That's the place we're aiming for. Well, why do we do that? What is the point of all this Thanksgiving stuff anyway? Well, A, we owe God gratitude for the goodness that he's poured into our lives. But B, we get to watch him at work in our lives. And sometimes it's those difficult times, those difficult circumstances that move us to realize that at the end of our rope, at the absolute end of our rope, God is there with his arms out. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, quoting Jesus, says, Jesus says, My power is made perfect in your weakness. Not when we think we've got our act together. Not when we think we've mastered the universe. Not when we think we're so super strong. Nope. Jesus said his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so the Apostle Paul goes on to say that is why he delighted in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said that the things that come our way demonstrate that the all-surpassing power that we experience is from God and not from us. Now I know, I know. That as Americans, we like to think of ourselves as rugged individualists, perfectly capable of standing on our own two feet. Thank you very much. I don't need any help from anybody. I've got this under control. The truth is, the amount of things we can control could not fill a thimble. Truly. Paul said he recognized that it also passing power was from God and not from him. We can be hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. That's the place. That's the place where we find the capacity to be able to say, thank you, God, even for this. Well, Thursday is Turkey Day. I love Turkey. In fact, if this had been a normal year, Right now, Pastor Laura and I would be packing to go away tomorrow or the next day to a place where we go where they serve you more turkey than you can possibly imagine. A buffet that fills a room the size of a freight car, a railroad freight car. It's just plate after plate after dish after dish after dish. 
turkey and stuffing and other stuff that I don't really care about. It's all there to consume. But we're not going there because it's 2020. And I gotta say, I'm disappointed. But we've, we've committed to each other that we're gonna have turkey anyway. Probably not as much, which is probably a good thing anyway. But here's the thing about turkey. Did you know that Butterball runs a hotline to help people navigate turkey problems? I think that's amazing. Here's a couple of stories from the Butterball Hotline. I am not making these up. There was a young mother who failed to notice her children playing near the oven-ready turkey. The kids decided that the turkey's cavity was a good place to park their toy cars. Their mom didn't discover that Old Tom Turkey was doubling as a garage until after the turkey had been roasted. Or... The Butterball Hotline people still talk about the Kentucky woman who called in to ask how to get her dog out of the turkey. It seemed that the woman owned a chihuahua, and the chihuahua had dived into the bird's cavity and became trapped there. The woman had tried pulling the pooch and shaking the bird. Uh, Can you just see this? Shaking the bird, trying to get the dog out. A Butterball uh, hotline person finally suggested that the woman carefully cut the opening in the turkey a little wider to release the captive canine. Or the mom who returned home from work to find her husband thawing a frozen turkey in the bathtub while simultaneously washing up the kids. Oh, no. The kids were like, Mom, the water's cold. Because, you know, well, there was a frozen turkey there. I'm not making these up. And then there's the woman who called the talk line whispering her questions. When the hotline operator asked her to speak up, she said, I can't. I'm hiding in the closet from my mother-in-law. She doesn't know that I don't know how to cook a turkey. Turkey. So here we are on the cusp of Turkey Day. And if all you want is a great turkey day, then man, call the Butterball Hotline and they'll walk you through it. But if we really, really want to mature in our understanding of Thanksgiving, even in, maybe especially in 2020, we need to listen to God's word and reach in his power for the place where you and I can give thanks for everything. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the many.